hang on a minute. What are we even talking about today? Oh, honey, we're giving the people what they want. Lauren? Yeah, Camille? Would you like to tell a story of what happened? <laughs> yes. You basically are just a little weak Magoo sassafras. I don't even know what to call you. You, okay. I'm a person. Per- <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person. I'm a person? Okay, you're a person with a lot of needs these days. Yeah. Okay, for those, for our wolf pack, this is what just happened. Camille is sitting here, we are planning to record, and she is like, oh, I don't know, my stomach is hurting. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm so sorry that your stomach's hurting. She's like, let me get up, I'm going to get a trash can. I'm like, what? A trash can for what? It's so that in case she projectile vomits and has no control over her body, yeah. that she'll have a little trap line, okay, a little lined plastic baggy trash can. Okay, I don't, I think you missed the biggest part of the story, which is you fed me breakfast this morning and yeah. you poisoned me. <laughs> The breakfast is delicious. This was specifically to tear me down. You <laughs> saw what I did. You saw. Okay. You every step. So obviously, everyone, we are together today. Oh my god. And it is episode ten. It's episode diez. We are on number diez. No. <laughs> we are in episode diez. Episode diez. I'm really excited for this episode. Are you, Camille? Yeah, I am. Okay. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, today's a great day to grab a coffee, a matcha, Where perhaps a glass of wine if you're up for the challenge. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, a glass of wine. And we are going to talk about raising your vibration today and the most vulnerable subject of them all, which is initiating sex yep we're gonna be talking about our stories most horrific stories on initiating sex (laughs) we're gonna tell people how and why initiating sex is important yes and just get to the get to the nitty-gritty mcnasty so stick around welcome back man welcome back yeehaw baby sex den welcome to the sex den how has your week been, Lauren? Let's just say that right away. Can I tell something so fun right away? Yeah. Well, I would like to just say that I feel back in my body. Oh, did that sound good. like you? It did. Yeah. Because I've been talking about being back in my body back a lot body. lately. Yeah. No, I'm just feeling this, this, um, well, I guess like what I could say is last week I was in this place where I literally didn't know if I would ever be able to respond to a text message again. (laughs) Like I go through these phases where I don't give a shit who's messaging me. Yeah. I don't care how important you are to me or like what is happening in my life. If it isn't you or Shane or Michael, basically I'm not responding. So Mm -hmm. I, I need, I have like, you said yesterday, I have 269 text messages. Oh, I wanted to throw up when I saw Lauren's phone. I'm a person who gets rid of my notifications immediately, no. if not sooner. No. Lauren's phone had 200 plus messages from people we actually like. <laughs> <laughs> I looked through to see who she denying, and it was people we like. No, it's people we love. It's people we love, so, and you just haven't had capacity. I just have been, and maybe I should send a little message that's just like, hey, not right now, can't make it, but instead I just ignore until I die. <laughs> so I need to get better at that. But I'm I'm feeling ready to just be alive today. I feel so good. We went rollerblading today, but I have a very exciting announcement that I'm going to hold until later in this episode because <laughs> our, one of our listener questions this week is going to be, what is the wildest place we've had sex? And y'all have to hear my sex story. Y'all oh, have yeah. to hear it. I'm going to literally write a blog about it too, but our wolf pack on our podcast will be the number one. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So let's see. My weekly update has been, you know, the typical for me in my journey. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of art. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, a lot of just diving into what I want to do and offer to the world. It's so difficult to break the mold of not making a lot of dollars. I know. <laughs> and 
our wolf pack needs to hear this too. I don't feel like that feeling ever goes away Mm-mm. until you start making money in something you're passionate about because you realize that you can eventually turn a passion into a business. It's just you have to give it time to flourish. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, it's more urgent. For me, it's not so urgent right now, but I've also been so financially independent for so long. So Michael is covering all the expenses right now for me, like asking for money for that kind of stuff. Like he doesn't care at all, but it's for me, not making my own money has just been so challenging. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking at my bank account decrease and decrease. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, you're still not going to do anything. Like you're just going to trust the timing and trust that you're making the right decisions to excel in the future. Right. And so that's been really difficult. Also, my mom had a best friend and spirit guide who was 20 years older than her. Um, She passed away, I think like six or seven. No, it had to be 10. About 10 years. 10 years ago. And my mom and I had a special moment. She, She hand wrote journals her whole life. And my mom got them when she passed away. And my mom, for some reason, wanted to read me the last few journal entries that she ever wrote before she passed away this week. And it just, I was sobbing because basically my mom's best friend her whole life was this really busy businesswoman creating businesses, selling them, like just trying to make money for herself when she had this really spiritual, creative being inside of her And the whole moral of her last couple months of her living and like knowing she was going to die from lung cancer was her just saying, basically, she never followed what she wanted to do. And that's why she never was as fulfilled as she could have been. And it was like, she felt that her fighting to make businesses and make money was also why she got cancer. Like, it's just a lot of different things that I feel like I needed to hear Yeah, because it's like kind of validated that... I'm doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't, I'm not making money. I'm following this spiritual path, which she felt like she missed out on. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it's been a deep week and also just really good. Like me just doing a lot of what I like. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. love it. And you and I have gotten to hang out a lot too. Yeah. Which has been fun. I actually asked my, our mom if um, we could share one of her entries. So in one of the upcoming episodes, she had read me this one day in her journal and I, I want to read it to Lauren so we can, because I know we're going to cry about it first, but I would really love to share it with the wolf pack because Donna was such a spiritual being and to share those moments of people and just letting people know to dive into your dreams because you only live once. Like it's really powerful. You really, and, and number one, I can't wait to hear that just between us and then also for the, for our wolf pack, but it's so important so important to remember that we literally only live once in this body like our spirit may go on our spirits have been here before our souls have been here before probably yeah but in this body in this life and I mean we talk about this all the time yeah when I talk about this and we've even talked about it on the podcast but it's like hello hello wake up like literally one life what if one what, what if what if you sell all your shit and you go travel for a year? What if you quit your job and you tell your boss to fuck off and you just <laughs> yeah. go and start your business? Like, what if you tell your asshole boyfriend to go fuck himself <laughs> <laughs> because you're not having sex with him anymore because he's not treating you right and you go yeah. and you, like, masturbate for a year? And yeah. Just, I don't know. Like, go do your shit. You know what I mean? I just... I'm passionate about it. And so are the birds. I'm so passionate about it. The crows in my, in our, right outside of our patio are going nuts. They're going apeshit. They're going apeshit. I'm going to close our door, but do, I, I I love talking about this. And, um, oh oh my God, I feel like it's something special. I do too. (laughs) I want it in here. I've never seen that many crows go, go crazy like that. I don't. We usually have the seagulls, but never the crows. Um, so anyway, I think that's important and keep this, um, keep your mind open to these kind of ideas. I know a lot of our podcasts cover this, but today, like with raising your vibration, initiating sex, it's all kind of these things. It's like, enjoy your fucking life and be vulnerable and just 
go for it. Like do things that are going to bring you spiritually higher and, and connect you with what you want to do and following your dreams. So thank you to Donna, RIP, but such a beautiful reminder this week. Can't wait to share it with Wolfpack. And I wanted to say one more thing. Yes, Lauren. I know that we weren't supposed to be ranting, (laughs) but I love to rant about this. I want to just talk about how it isn't just that like guilty feeling when you're not making money. It's also a guilty feeling when you feel like you're not doing enough. Like I've been having this not doing enough feeling because I've been in a love spiral with Shane. Mm -hmm. And so we're, all I want to do right now is like be held by him and Mm -hmm. like do this healing work that I'm doing and just kind of like be in his arms and have sex all day. That's all I want to do. And I'm literally just allowing myself to do that. And that is so hard. There's like a hardness about that. And there's also the fact that like, it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Love. It's so beautiful. So like, I have been having guilt come up about like not posting enough, not being, you know, forward facing enough, not doing enough output, output, output. And damn, I reject that. I want to reject reject that. Yeah. I know. I feel like you kind of felt the same way last week. And it's like, Mm -hmm. at a certain point, yes, you do have come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you do come back and also, you have a responsibility to your followers, but you right. also have a responsibility to enjoy your life. Like right. that's also what's really hard in this day and age is most people run their businesses online. Yeah. So it's like people are always online. You're right. always having to share, always doing this. And it's like, then you have a guilt when you don't share certain yeah. things, but just forget it. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, I have the overwhelming feeling and it's just something that's always been very natural for me. I'm not a workaholic. Like I'm really not a workaholic and it's something that I was shamed for, for so long. And people, I felt I ashamed of that. And then people also shamed me for it. Like, Oh my God, when your whole entire life can't be rainbows and you know, butterflies. And I'm like, why? Why not? It sounds like so much fun. I, I don't understand. Yeah. It, it actually can be. And so I'm building a life where it is that because mm-hmm. I love fun mm-hmm. and I love joy and yeah. I love to be abundant, of course, yeah. and to provide value and stuff like that. But no, your life actually, it can, actually can be butterflies. Just be happy most of the time. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm going to rant too. And just, this is definitely related. I reject so hard working and working and retirement, like working towards retirement is a fucking bullshit capitalistic <laughs> view of no, it really is. And I say this from experience because I worked in a job where people worked for a pension. They worked 30 years in the company. Everyone stayed because the benefits were really great. And this is really morbid, but I'm going to say this to the listeners in our wolf pack because they deserve to hear it. After retirement isn't guaranteed. I saw like 10 people retire in the two years that I was there and die right after. Oh, I told you it was going to be more <laughs> I said 10. I think it was about four or five. That's a lot. I was there for 18 months. Oh my gosh. I'm not kidding you. People would retire and then all of a sudden we'd get this mass email months later that people had died. And I was just like, it honestly changed my whole perspective of life because I had had the idea of like, you work toward retirement, like all of this stuff, but nothing is guaranteed. It's not. If you're doing what you love, you won't care if you're working. Yeah. So follow your dreams early and build something that you love so that you can continue to do that and and offer things to people your life that you won't be just working towards retirement. Like have work be part of the life that you love Mm -hmm. instead of working a job you dislike to retire when you're 60. Like I'm just re- really rejecting that idea a lot lately because I'm just so sick of it. I mean, I'm sick of it too. And I think <laughs> that a lot of people in our age group are sick of it as well. Yes. But there's like this feeling of loyalty or this feeling of like it's dysphoria, pride, pride. Also confusion because when you're when you go to school and now we're in so much debt, like our generation has so much debt. So you feel this so enormous up. like you do feel indebted to if your parents paid for your school, if you worked your ass off through school, like whatever the situation is. I mean, that was like one of the first things that came up for me when I started doing my own path was like, Oh my gosh, Lauren, 
we paid for your school. Like, I'm so disappointed. You know, we spent so much money and I did feel super guilty, but it didn't stop me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that idea is, I, I can't imagine that with the internet, like it is and this idea of global internet, like them shooting all these rockets or whatever into the satellites into Mm -hmm. the sky and pretty soon everybody's just going to have Wi-Fi. Like that'll happen in our lifetime. That'll happen in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi will just be here. Like entrepreneurship is the next frontier. Yeah. Because you get to do, like, I didn't even consider myself an entrepreneur and now I'm making more money than I ever thought possible for myself. And entrepreneurship, we've talked about this before too, isn't for everyone. All I'm saying is do something you love. Yeah. And that can be an office job. I know a lot of people, specifically teachers, Mm -hmm. that really love their job. Yeah. You know, that's a career I feel like people really love it. All I'm saying is just make sure you're doing something you enjoy, no matter what it is. Make sure you're not just doing a job looking forward to retirement. You're like, in a job that you love and you feel like you can put passion into it because that's what's important. That's what's important for happiness, for important for family and friends to see. So that's that on that. (laughs) No, this is what we do every single time, but you know what? This is just a part of exactly what we do. We don't apologize for stuff like this because Lauren and I, this is exactly what we do as sisters. We'll just yeah. talk about a subject and then we'll go on a rollerblading excursion <laughs> wanting to talk about what we're going to record for the day. Right. And we talk about it for like maybe three minutes at the very end and we forget we had to yeah. do that. Yeah. But our real raw sisterhood is us just talking and ranting about subjects and going in circles. So, well, and it's what has brought us to this point. Like these conversations, they, it might be sort of just like, whoops, squirrel, where are we? This is so crazy. And then you end up talking about something or sparking something in the other person where it's like, holy shit, I never even thought about retirement in that way. Or all of a sudden now I am (laughs) panicking about my retirement. Like, am I going to be working forever? Yeah. Am I going to be retired? (laughs) Yeah. Now I need to get definitely some sort of a 401k style. And and also I do think we were talking today about raising your vibration, initiating sex, but who knows? Like someone could be listening to this and this is exactly what they needed to hear today. And this is their final push on our follower dreams episode, which is quit your fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) We're so sick of your job. We're really sick of your job. Get off that airline. (laughs) Yeah. Quit your goddamn job. Quit your job. Okay. So I actually, we got a question on den mothers and it was, she, this person, they were talking about, Um, how exactly we raise our vibration and she was listening to the episode and heard that Lauren did a ceremony on me in Tulum and I was having trouble coming down from Bufo so I want to end with that story about what you did for me in that scenario but in terms of raising your vibration Mm. Lauren yes how do you feel about raising a vibration how do you do it what do you recommend to people how can they do it yeah that's a really good question. I, I haven't really thought much at length about specifically that term until today. Me too. Like raising my vibration. What does that mean? Yeah. And honestly, what, what it means is how can I find presence and find gratitude in each moment? That's how you raise your vibration is it doesn't have to be necessarily a specific, it doesn't have to be any specific kind of ritual. I think that when people are thinking about self-work or self-healing or, you know, raising your vibration. It's like, okay, what exactly do I need to do? Do I have to wake up every day at 5.30 and meditate and do all these specific practices? And the answer is no. What you need to do is find presence in the things that you're already doing. So like you are probably already doing things like, for example, walking your dog, going to the beach, lighting incense, Mm -hmm. lighting sage, having crystals around you going into nature and going on hikes, but you might just be doing that. And my question to you, like my friend Julian asked you, Cammie, is like, are you actually there? Yeah. Or are you just doing the things? Yeah. So raising your vibration is a constant practice of actually being there. Yeah. I think that, yes, I love exactly what you're saying. And I was going to bring up that exact moment too, because 
I hadn't thought about this raising your vibration until I'm realizing I have a lot of practices in my life that I was doing that actually could have been raising my vibration, Mm -hmm. but I was just doing, I was going through the motions instead of actually feeling the moment. So after I had done my ceremony in Tulum, we were with Lauren's really spiritual friend who is just an incredible person. I mean, go follow him. He actually also built my whole website for me in like three days. Yeah. His Instagram is Death Shoots and yeah. we'll or Death Shoots and we'll link him so that you can go see his work because he's a really yeah. special person. He's a very special person. And I told him, I'm like, I live at the bay and the beach and I go there all the time. And he just said, But are you actually at the beach? Mm. And I was just honestly kind of silent because I was thinking, no, I'm, I'm really not. And I feel like I've been talking about a lot of this stuff on the podcast recently, giving my weekly updates. And it seems like such small things, but I haven't specifically been doing meditation and burning sage and stuff. I've been really trying to ground more, um, more than raising my spirit out of my body, because that happens to me Mm -hmm. when I meditate and I do stuff like that. My spirit wants to shoot into the next dimension. Mm-hmm. And for me going through that whole experience, I needed to come back into my body and process all my lessons mm-hmm. and shed everything I needed to. So I can start doing that stuff again, mm-hmm. just with a different understanding of sort of the human experience. But all of these things I'm doing now are still raising my vibrations. And it's as simple as this for me now, going to walk on the bay and just taking a couple extra moments to stand there and breathe and appreciate and give gratitude to the water Mm. or going to swim at swimming at the beach and just just diving in and appreciating the temperature and what it's like outside those things all raise your vibration it doesn't have to be an extreme practice the other night I have a a set of um of they're not tarot cards, but sort of, it's like affirmation affirmation cards. cards, Yeah. Yeah. And Michael and I were sitting here. I was like, let's pull cards tonight. Mm -hmm. And we pulled cards together and read them. And that was something they actually both really related to what we were going through in life, of course, Mm -hmm. because they always do. So doing something like that, um, just breathing, you can even raise your vibration in eating. Mm -hmm. Being present when you're eating, giving gratitude, all of these things to me have, I've turned into moments that can raise vibration. Right. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about also, we do, along with just the regular moments, we do do more witchy things as well. Oh, I'm so freaking witchy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we definitely do witchy moments as well, so... Um, I'll kind of let Lauren explain the grounding ceremony that she did to me in Tulum. And then I'll talk about a ceremony I did one time in the house. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've identified as a witch since my freshman year in college. So it's been Mm -hmm. 10 years for me. Um, And before that I was, and I just didn't even know it. But what that means to me is it's just the practice of honoring mother earth and all that is, and also recognizing the magic that is our life. Mm -hmm. We are constantly living in magic. We are constantly surrounded by little like exciting things that happen to us. Or when you're in like a beautiful state of mind, like feeling very positive and then more positive things keep happening to you. Like Mm -hmm. you can call it the law of attraction. I call it magic. Like Mm -hmm. it really feels like gifts to me. And so I love to explore that with candles and sage and crystals and shamanic instruments and different types of music and cards. And that stuff just calls to me because I know that as a woman, we are the earth. We are life givers. We are birthers. Whether you have children or not, your body is like designed to be connected with all that is like to be tethered to all that is. Mm So, um, Uh, It hasn't been until recently that my gifts have been really presenting themselves as I kind of shed my ego. It's been really obvious to me that part of my work is actually stepping into like more of a shamana, witchy, earth, goddessy role. Yeah. And so right when Camille came to Tulum and did Bufo, I was feeling very 
aligned with energy work and with the ability to like use my hands and use instruments to help you. Mm -hmm. So she, on her very last night was feeling really ground or really um, out of her body and didn't have like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. You couldn't so many sleep. Things. You couldn't eat. You were completely just disoriented. Basically. I was not on earth. You were not on earth. You no. were blasted out into the ether. My energy was in space and it couldn't figure out how to get back into my body. Right. And so we identified that her portal, like her energetic portal just hadn't been closed from the ceremony. And so I, we both showered, cleansed the space. This is actually something that I'm writing an ebook on. So mm-hmm. I'll let everybody know, but we cleansed the space showered, opened all the windows, got the stale energy that was in the space out of there. And then I laid down a blanket on the ground and had Cami lay face down. And with different shamanic instruments that I had gathered in Tulum, with Copal incense, and with my hands, I just began doing energy healing on you and work to ground you like really pushing into her hips pulling on her hips pushing down into your glutes and like having you put your third eye directly on the ground and like shaking your head back and forth yeah really grounding you and like calling into the universe and Mm -hmm. yeah I was literally doing a spell basically like it was calling a spell to get the energy back in my body and the craziest thing was after that that night I had a recurring nightmare that I had had since I, since before I can even remember. Yeah. The, my earliest one of those that's been the same dream my whole life was when I was like six years old. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had that dream in like six years. I had that crazy dream. I was like tossing and turning. It felt like I was a kid. Yeah. And then I, every, every night since then, I've slept harder than I've ever slept. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, it's magic. It feels fantastic. And when yeah. I say magic... For for the, our wolf pack that doesn't understand what that is, I'm talking about magic that's spelled M-A-G-I-C-K because uh, when you think of like bippity-boppity-boop kind of magic, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not just like be able to levitate and yeah. do things like that. I'm talking about um, energy and healing and witchy, witchy magic. And it's yeah. never black magic. That's something that I want to say too. Yeah. If you're interested in this kind of a thing and you're like, Ooh, yeah, I want to do that so that I can get a job or I can do whatever. You never want to alter somebody else's life path. So for example, if you're pulling energy, you never, let's say you're going to get a job, right? Mm-hmm. You never want to say, uh, I hope that person doesn't get the job it's never in the negative. It's just, I hope, or like I call in that I do get the job. Yeah. Right. So of course the, the other side of that is that they won't, but you never want to be doing magic against other people. Mm -hmm. It's you always protecting yourself, protecting your energy, calling in things that serve you and letting go of things that no longer serve you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I have recently stepped into this witchiness, and apparently Lauren and my stepmom have always seen that I've had it. It's just that I, the vulnerability aspect of thinking like I was pulling spells or like doing that kind mm-hmm. of work just made me so nervous, even if it was by myself. Mm-hmm. But recently, my stepmom gave me my first spell book, which mm-hmm. she said I was finally ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I have done a couple. I've written two spells in there now where I open the book, I clean my whole house, I write out the spell, open windows, sage everything, and then I have a crystal for healing book that I think Lauren gave me and a bunch of crystals and like look through the book, finding crystals that call what I want to be calling and whether that's like one time it was um, just something with communication with Michael and then the next time was grounding for me and I just choose crystals and put them around the house and sage and say spells and meditate in it yeah (laughs) and it both times for me has worked (laughs) yeah I mean I'm becoming more and more a believer in it because it feels like now I've been in touch with that spiritual realm so I can no longer deny it well, and like, this is a huge part of, especially as a woman, a man too, of course, men have intuition, but being in your power, like, th- 
I say personal power coach because your power is like a magic power. Mm -hmm. When you realize what your power is and how powerful you are and that when you really want something, like from your freaking root chakra all the way up through your head, when you really want it, girl, you're going to get it. Like you can, you can do it. There's something very special about being a woman. Uh And so, I mean, when I'm coaching, people have no idea that I'm about to like teach them how to do magic, but it is part of my coaching. Like I literally teach my clients how to call in what they want in their lives. And we can call it manifestation. We can call it things that are less woo woo, but I like love being praying. Yeah. (laughs) Like I love this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a huge part of what I believe in and the reason that we are who we are. Oh yeah. I love it. So thank you so much for whoever wrote into that question. Yeah. I love that question. Yeah, me too. And I didn't even realize how many vibrations I've been raising lately. I know. And <laughs> Camille. Um, and also be on the lookout for that ebook. It's already in, it's already being written right now. She's writing a magic ebook. Everyone. I am. Okay, great. So this next section, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> so Lauren was excited about this subject because this came up in a coaching session. Yeah, this came up in a coaching session and this comes up all the time. It's one of the main reasons that people reach out to me and apply for coaching in the first place. And also I have a very personal connection with this particular topic because um, I've always been hornier than my partners (gasps) or at least I perceived that I was. No, I I was. I was. I love sex and Mm -hmm. it, I've never been in a partnership until now where my partner loves sex as much as I do and where it's as important uh, to him as it is to me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so uh, we're talking about initiating sex today. And this is, I I talked about this at length on my friend Gala's podcast, Gala Darling. So give her a follow. She's amazing. And you can listen to our episode there as well. But we have to talk about this on our podcast because it went really well when we talked about it on a live and it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, up. keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up in one of my favorite Ted talks ever by Brene Brown Boom! about vulnerability. We've linked this in one of our recent episodes as well. Yeah. We linked it in a recent episode, but Brene talks about, uh, she she talks about vulnerability at length and she put out a Twitter, like a tweet about what makes you feel vulnerable and overwhelmingly what pe- makes people super vulnerable is initiating sex with your partner <sighs> because it is a vulnerable Dude, thing. It makes my heart sink to my butt thinking about it. Really? I mean, not so much anymore because yeah. I've just had so many conversations with my partner about yeah. it. It's... Number one, we, we talked about this in a couple of different ways, but I want to get a couple things out on the table. Number one, initiating sex for people who identify as women, it, it's harder for us because we're less used to being rejected. So yes. rejection isn't something that's so part of our script. Mm-hmm. Like when you are a guy and you're out there and you're dating and you're doing your thing, rejection is kind of part of the game. Like you're not going to get with every woman that you try for. And that's just understood. Like it's just bro code. Like mm-hmm. you just expect to get rejected. For us, we don't, we're not in pursuit as often. We're not like yeah, the, so true. you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're less used to being rejected and rejection feels more, ominous like it feels not ominous what's the word like all-encompassing when you get rejected it's like all of you is being rejected yes do you know what what I'm saying trust me I do yeah (laughs) it's so tough so um yeah in a coaching call this came up and it just reminded me of how (laughs) being rejected just sucks camel dick source being rejected sucks camel dick. and another thing is <laughs> sucks camel dick. <laughs> i'm sorry i love that term. wait what is it sucks, sucks camel, camel dick, dick on planet this is from stepbrothers i think i sucks camel dick from planet i don't think it's oh planet. no it's, it is planet camel dick so okay. no i'm 
I'm lost. I don't know. Anyway, it sucks camel dick. I don't but keep know. going, Lauren. Sorry, I didn't mean to stray us. Um, so before we tell our stories of rejection or like of being rejected when we initiated sex, I do just want to make this disclaimer, and that is we have to remember the people that we are initiating sex to are human. And they are not going to have always the same exact sex drive as us. So for you to expect that every single time you initiate sex, your partner is going to want to fuck on the spot. That is a very selfish. Yeah. It's a very selfish point of view. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. And so if you think, oh no, I initiated sex one time, they said no, or even five times and they said no. Um, and, and that's really reducing your Mm self-esteem then check yourself because sometimes it can be an actual issue and sometimes you're just expecting your partner to be perfect yep and to want you exactly when you want them Mm -hmm. and a lot of times what happens too is that when we initiate sex we go into it with a story of how it's gonna go right like okay I know exactly what's gonna happen I am going to come out of the shower and I'm feeling horny at this random time on a Sunday morning and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell him that I yep. want to have sex and it's, he's going to, and we're going to jump gonna on each other. Me. Yes. It's expectation. It's thing. expectation. He's going to love it. He's going to be so turned on. And then little do you know, he already has his friends over because they're going to be watching football and then Just you come out me. naked, all oiled up. Pussy's a Paulson. <laughs> so <laughs> your expectations are your worst enemy. Yeah, they are. They <laughs> like are, they yeah. always will do you wrong. They I've had so, wrong. so many experiences like that. Me okay, too. I'm gonna start with my experience. <laughs> Please, because I love Okay. So okay. This has been set on alive, which I don't know if it was one of the ones that was kept. So Michael came home. I came home from work before Michael. Wait, which, so this is an initiation fail. This is an initiation fail. Okay. Can't wait. Turned into a success. Okay. But it was sort of a fail. Okay. So I basically got him from work earlier than him, which is rare. He came home. We were making out. And I'm like, okay, this is perfect. We're both horny. Yeah. Once again, in my head, thinking all yeah. these things. We couldn't be horny. Couldn't be horny. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to take a shower. I had put a sexy outfit in the bathroom okay. because I wanted to also wash up a little bit, but then I wanted to sort of go in the bathroom, change, come out and present myself. So he went to take a shower and I'm kind of waiting out there, cleaning up, you know, whatever. He gets done and comes out, we're kissing. And I'm like, I am going to go to the bathroom because I was going to put on my sexy outfit. So... I put on my sexy outfit and I came out and I'm like, hello, Michael. (laughs) And it's just silent. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, he left and went to the store because he's always going to the store. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no. Now I have to wait till he gets back. It's not as sexy, you know. So I'm looking around, looking around. His car is still here. And I'm like. We live in a one-bedroom apartment. There are not many places to be. (laughs) And I realized that my husband was not in the mood for sex. He was in the mood to scare me. (laughs) He was in the mood to play. He was in the mood to play. Real play. So I'm realizing he is somewhere hiding. (laughs) So I'm looking in every crevasse, and I'm like, I go... Oh, all right. 
I'm like, dude, I can't watch you do this and then want to have sex. So he basically, I decided I was going to go back in the bathroom. He was going to come out and sit on the bed. And I would then present myself again. And we did end up having really good sex after, but it was so mortifying. Maybe I couldn't tell for him or me. It's like we were just on totally different pages. It was so vulnerable. I had to watch him try to get out from under the bed. It wasn't good. And at the end, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, that was so bad. And he's like, no, it was sexy. It was sexy. But we both knew it was a mess. Oh, my God. A mess. We knew it was a mess. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Uh Uh-huh. The part where he has to squirm out. Oh, that's the worst part. And just the words you use for him. He weaseled. He he weaseled his way in. We have the small bed. (laughs) So that is my initiation story. Okay. And wasn't great. Was not great. Yeah. Wasn't great. So Lauren. Yeah. I have one that was equally terrible. As horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it was worse. I don't know. Oh, this one might have been worse because it was more effort. It was way more effort and it was also really painful for my heart. Oh no. Okay. Okay. So I was in a romantic partnership where I was wanting with Long John Silver. With Long John Silver, where I was <laughs> wanting some extra spice. Yeah. I'm like, man, I want some extra spice. We have been making love for a while, and I'm ready to be fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm ready to like, you know, do some dirty shit. So. Yes. So Long John Silver goes out of town for a week. He was traveling a lot for work or maybe I don't know if it was a week or a couple days, whatever. Regardless, he was coming home and I had convinced myself that this was my time to shine in my dom phase. Like I was ready to dominate and I wanted to have so much fun doing this. And so I was a little bit novice, just assuming like that this would be great for everyone And I went to the store. I literally bought red light bulbs, like turned our whole entire place red. I put on this dominatrix outfit, got rope and handcuffs, set out a chair in the middle of the room. Our dogs had like huge dog crates in the main room. Mm -hmm. And so I put the dog crates in the guest room so that when he came home, the dogs wouldn't be, like, super excited and freaking out. I did it all. I literally, I put on eyeliner, like, black eyeliner. I remember you called me with the outfit. With the outfit. I was just like, man, I couldn't be any hotter right now. Like, I'm so excited for him to come home. So I had this whole expectation of what was going to happen. I had music ready, a playlist. I was going to play it, have him sit down, and beat him up, basically. Whirling dervish him. <laughs> yeah, I was going to whirling dervish him and do, like, a full-blown sexy remix. <sighs> So I see the Uber pulling up and I'm like, yes, he's finally home from the airport. Mm -hmm. He comes in the front door and I hear him kind of like looking around and he's like, where are the dogs? And I'm like, oh no, this is already going so bad. Where are the dogs? What do you mean? Where are the dogs? I killed them. Like, I don't know. What do you mean? They're dead. The uh, dogs are dead. Like, obviously, I took care of them. Yeah. Like, do not ask me about the dogs. I have to Where answer. are the dogs? But I have to, like, come out in my outfit and the answer. The dogs are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget about the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> sideways basically it's so awkward and um yeah he just looks at me and he's like oh no and I'm like oh yes (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) this is a yes (laughs) this couldn't be more of a yes (laughs) and he's like no he's like I'm so sorry I love this effort I'm so grateful for this and I'm also just so tired there's no way that I can do this right now and I'm like I think there is a way shut up and sit down you little bitch 
But that's not what ended up happening. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. We, it did not happen. Then he told me that the red light bulbs reminded him of war because that's what happens at war. So it sparked his goddamn PTSD. And it was just not good. Okay. So I need to chime in here for anyone who's listening because my story is funny. Mine is sad. (laughs) Because my. <laughs> it was very minimal effort, honestly. If anyone, if any one of your partners yes. puts in as much effort as Lauren did, and you deny them, fuck you. Yeah, well, fuck you. No, literally, and fuck, fuck you. Fuck John Silver for this because no, it was so sad. That. No, that so sad. actually is really sad. It's like for one night, you can't just like be getting over how tired you were. Like to me, it just feels like it. Okay, and this is a really good point to make for our wolf pack because if you're, shit, there's so many sides to this. If you're initiating with your partner and you're the one putting in all of the effort and your partner's constantly denying you, I feel like it's a little bit of a problem. Yes. Like, I don't feel like, I feel like there's a part of us that's being vulnerable is nerve wracking. And then there's also a part where your partner just isn't giving a shit about your needs. Right. if you're constantly wanting to get your partner to have sex and they're not, you need to have a bigger conversation. Right. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. And there are so many things that I can say here because, so we did end up having sex, but it was like his kind of sex, right? It wasn't the kind of sex that I wanted yeah. to, to be having. And so, um, a couple things here. It doesn't matter. Like I, I want to say this on a, on a global scale. Just because somebody puts in a lot of effort doesn't mean that you have to, like, crumble and do something that you don't want to do. Like, he always has the right to say no if he's really not feeling it. Just like, I have the right to say no if I'm not feeling it. So I want to say that, too. Also, if somebody's putting in a lot of effort and you could potentially get in the mood, try it. Like, go for it, right? So, like, I just, there are so many sides to this, as always, and only you will know which situation you're in. Yeah. The situation I was in is that I was beginning to speak my truth about my needs, not just sexually, but in every way, and that kind of response became way too familiar, where it was like, I'm putting in this kind of special effort, or I'm trying to have these deeper conversations, and it was just me being shut down a lot, Yeah. and so it was like that kind of an experience was indicative of so much of our relationship. And so if you're listening to this and you're identifying with it and you're like, oh my God, my partner would totally deny me in that way. Or like, I wouldn't be able to be seen in that way. Or I wouldn't be able to explore in that way. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to it. Because like we said in in our previous episode, the dust settles in the bedroom. It does. And one more thing is that experience, albeit... (laughs) very awkward and painful in the moment that experience was so important because by me allowing myself to be vulnerable and say hey this is something that I want and I'm willing to put effort into it Mm -hmm. I was able to then because I was speaking my truth and putting forward my truth in the face of maybe being rejected yeah I then could receive his truth Yes. Right? Like, his truth was, it doesn't matter how much effort you put in. If I don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. Right? That was his truth. That was his truth. And it was always his truth. Yeah. Right? And so that, for me, was like, oh, damn. Okay. And so eventually, that experience, not just that one thing, but an accumulation of dozens of those kinds of things over time is eventually the reason that I left. But if I hadn't have been speaking my truth and being vulnerable and putting my neck out there, I would have never known. So like Mm -hmm. the pain came with so much reward Mm -hmm. and the awkwardness came with so much reward because at least I lived in my truth. And so what I want to say to people who are nervous about initiating sex or where it makes your stomach hurt or makes you feel like weak at the knees or makes you feel whatever, it is your right and your prerogative to speak your truth and to try new things if that's something that you need. Yeah. Like you asking your partner for sex and them denying it is not them denying you as a whole person. It's them either saying, hey, I'm not in the mood right now or them saying I'm unwilling to budge. And if that's the case, pay attention to where that's happening elsewhere. 
freaking yes, 100%. I actually had a problem initiating with my husband Mm -hmm. because we have a sort of dom sub role and I always felt like, um, I, it was totally a scenario I was making up in my head that I wasn't allowed to initiate. Right. And so I, we ended up, instead of me just trying to be vulnerable and asking more about it, I actually ended up just sitting down and having a conversation about it. Like, I journaled about it, about what was going on in my head. And then when he got back from work one day, I actually voiced my opinion. And he Mm. was just like, oh, my God, that's Mm. definitely not what I want to happen. Um, I also want to say this, like, there are times in your life when you and your partner aren't going to be on the same page sexually. Like, I've said this before, but... Um, Michael has really bad back problems, which affect his wanting to be sexual. Like he doesn't feel all he can focus on is his physical pain. Yeah. So I am allowing, and we have conversations and it's sort of just decided right now that he has more control of when we have sex and that's okay. Yeah. Like any type, it, the most important thing is just the conversation around it. Like if you're feeling consistently denied or you can't initiate, like I would recommend having that conversation outside of the bedroom. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, it has to be done because you're either making up the scenario in your head or you and your partner just aren't on the same page, but get on the same page. I mean, and it's not so Yes, 100%. I agree. Like, this is a conversation that you need to have. You're allowed to voice to your partner that you feel really nervous to initiate sex. Yes. And you can tell them, like, I am going to start trying to initiate sex. Like, I just want you to know. You can say that kind of stuff. Like, I want to initiate sex and I'm going to try. And there's something about allowing yourself to be vulnerable, even in those conversations, that's very endearing. Mm -hmm. Because, because... You're wearing your heart on your sleeve. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve. And it gives your partner the opportunity to empathize with you and to feel for you. And it also gives them the opportunity for if they're like super busy at work or in physical pain, like whatever's going on with them that they're not as horny. It also gives them the opportunity to say, I'm so appreciative for your efforts. And that is so wonderful. I'm just letting you know where I'm at sexually. Like, it just opens the conversation for communication around sex, which is just the whole point. Yeah. Like it's the whole point of this podcast like, yeah. to communicate, to increase connection. Yeah, I mean, it seriously, is. it's like, it's the whole point. Yeah. So it's always painful to initiate for me. The scariest thing is like wearing lingerie because mm. it's the timing of it. It's yeah. like everything about it is nerve wracking, but yeah. once you do it, I mean, I haven't been denied if I'm, when I'm wearing lingerie because I feel like the effort is so much. He wouldn't say no. Yeah. He wouldn't say no to that. I mean, there can also be times, though, like, I can think of so many times when you could be denied wearing lingerie. Like, what oh, if, of course. Like, That's what, what I'm you saying. left yeah. early for work and your partner was like, damn, I'm horny, and they masturbate real quick, and then you come home early. Yes. And you're wearing lingerie, and they're like, uh-oh, like, mm-hmm. you can't get it up right now. Or, yeah. like, they have so much on their mind. Like, erections are also a thing. Like, yeah. the time of the month is also a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're crampy, and, like, there's so many reasons. So many You might reasons. just not be in a good mental health space and might not want to have sex yes like but even so like putting on the lingerie and taking those steps to initiate overall it does make you more confident yeah just knowing that you can and you did Mm -hmm. even if you're denied Mm -hmm. that moment for you leading up to like you deciding to do it just like Okay, just fucking do it. It's like asking someone on a date. It is. Even in a relationship, it gives you that nervous butterfly feeling, but it's good to bring those feelings back no matter what the response is. It is. It's so good to bring those feelings up because Mm -hmm. we should be dating our partners and like having these nervous little sexy times. Like I love the idea. So I love the idea too of date, like truly dating your partner, like getting ready, have them leave the house for an hour or something and go do something and then come pick you up. Like it's a date, like do fun things to spice it up. Yeah. But I wanted to suggest for the listeners or for our wolf pack, 
y'all are not our listeners. Y'all no, are no, our no, you are all work. You are a wolf pack. <laughs> You're a wolf pack. So um, one of the things that I wanted to suggest is if initiating sex is extremely painful for you, if you have some kind of like trauma around saying that you want sex or around being denied so many times by a former partner maybe or by your current mm-hmm. partner, I really, really highly recommend putting sex on the calendar. Like put yeah. it literally schedule, schedule pleasure hour. I yeah. call it pleasure hour. Like it doesn't even just need to be sex. It can be cuddling naked. It can be rubbing each other's backs. It can be just like mutual masturbation. It can be doing things with each other that are intimate and create that kind of connection because we schedule date night, we schedule play dates, we schedule all of this stuff. Yep. It's okay to schedule pleasure hour, especially when we live in these busy times. Oh, and yeah. especially if you're both working from home. Yes. Like such a great point. Sometimes if you're both working from home, especially through COVID and stuff, like if you're not actively taking time away from the house or actively taking time away from your partner, you can just get into like a sweatpants bun hair up watch movies watch movies slump slump and sometimes you need to stop slumping and start humping yeah you know what (laughs) michael and i did this during quarantine once and i actually would recommend this is um to couples who just want to spice things up which is we scheduled a two-person party in our house we were sick of not going to parties so we both put on something sexy I did my hair I did my makeup and I put on like a little it it is lingerie but it's it's like a little romper so it's not like full-on sexy but I put on something sexy he put on an outfit we cleaned our house and then we had a two-person party (laughs) was it so fun yeah it was so fun oh my god we played games but it was just the the act of us getting ready for each other yeah, only. Yeah, and just like drinking together and whatever you like to do. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it was just something more fun and it was us it was us initiating an experience together. Yeah. Which is really it was a really good time. I love that. I think that the effort is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think even just having a conversation about effort and about like what you're putting in, because yeah. I also think you know, sometimes, sometimes it's nice to tell your partner that you'd like them to initiate more too. Yeah. You know, like the initiation conversation, it can go both ways. It's Mm. like, if you're in constant pursuit and your partner is like, oh no, I'm never initiating sex. Like there are certain ways that you can uh, mitigate that as well. One of the ways that I talk about that is to just literally take sex off the table for two weeks. Like just to take it off the table if there's Mm -hmm. a huge imbalance and it really helps to kind of bring an equilibrium into like the desire for sex that will tell a lot too um about if your partner's asking you to initiate sex more I would dive pretty deep into why you're not wanting sex yeah uh I was in a relationship and I like wouldn't initiate didn't want to when they initiated and that person ended up bringing it up and it was because I was over it. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't into the relationship anymore and sex was kind of the last thing to go, but Mm -hmm. I was just like, fuck, I'm so sorry. I can't initiate because I don't want to. Yeah. So if your partner's constantly asking you and you're denying them and you're, you know, the feeling. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm denying them and I'm not initiating at all because mm-hmm. I don't want sex and also I'm over it. Yeah. Like, yeah. The person <laughs> that you're with deserves your truth. Yes, they do. Okay. Initiating sex, everyone. Do it. And listen to it. <laughs> do it and listen to it. So when let's you, move on. When you want to, you try it. Yeah. When you get denied, you cry it. When you don't know, <laughs> now you know. <laughs> I know. Okay, so we have two listener questions this week. Both really great. Let's keep it shout and sweet. I'm looking at Lauren in the eyeball saying that. You're rude. She knows what to do. Oh, All right, God. number one, what is the wildest place you've ever had sex? Wow, I wonder why we chose this question today because I wanted to tell Because everybody, all Lauren wants to do is talk about her story. <laughs> I have had wild sex locations. Literally, I'm, I've had two in the past couple of days. 
I'm kind of an adventurous sex person. I love to be fucked in alleys and in cars and on clips. And those have all happened. But the most exciting sexual place that I've ever done is guess what, y'all? I'm now a member of the Mile High Club. I, yep, I recently had. I feel like that's been your goal forever. It has. I know. And of course, literally the first flight I ever took with Shane, which was coming back from From Tulum. 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 I told him when we were like leaving for the airport, I'm like, God, I've always wanted to have sex on a plane. And he's like, done. 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 I'm like, God damn it, Daddy does it again. So sexy. He's so hot. He'll just do it anywhere. <laughs> Whenever I do this type of voice, <laughs> it, it's the least sexy voice. Oh my God, do it right now. But I love your sex like that. Okay, so you did sex on a plane. So I did. So we had a, a plane ride, and then a layover, and then another plane ride. Yes. And we literally had sex on the first plane. Right. And then we're like, okay, we got to get out of this bathroom. And the way that it happened, people will want to know. Okay. You're going to have to make it quick. Camille, are you serious? Why? <laughs> Go ahead. People ask me now, what, how did you do that? The bathroom is so small. Yeah, the bathroom is so small. The bathroom is so small. The people way that you do it. Yeah, people are <laughs> Okay, so Shane <laughs> went into the bathroom <laughs> when the ladies went by with their food. Mm-hmm. Up to the front, then we went to the bathroom Smart. in the back, right? So it like blocks off the first couple people. Yes, it's it just does. right at the beginning of the flight, so the bathroom's very clean. And so Shane kind of like stood with his legs straddling the back of the toilet, sort of, yeah, with his boner. And then I walked in and literally just you did the sex, bent right over, bent right over, and there it was. That's the only position I assume would work. It's like it's not like you're unless he's sitting on the toilet, you're kind of boinging on him but I was just we were literally cracking up afterward thinking about how if I went in the bathroom and there he is just sitting on the toilet with his boner like how what if it wasn't you (laughs) (laughs) like Susie from row 28 just walks in she's like oh oh." (laughs) thank god Susie from row 28 she's so bored with her husband for 50 years she's like hops on (laughs) Oh my god! I just come in and I'm like, "What in the fuck?" I'm so confused. My life with me, Shane. Me, not Susie. Okay, so not only did we do it on the first flight, then we got addicted to it, and then the second flight, literally same exact experience, except Uh I also HJ'd him. Okay, hand job, hand job, (laughs) hand job. Hand jobbing him. On the airplane. On the airplane. I had lube in my purse because it's so on brand. So I lubed my hand up and I just went, I hauled off and gave him a hand job. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> and then we went and had sex. So and then. No, shut up. <laughs> That's the end of your story. <laughs> oh, and then. Okay. You won't believe it. We were staying in Julian and there's a cemetery there. And we <laughs> went there in the middle of the night and we had spooky cemetery sex. They did it on? On the cemetery. Dave Smith's grave. Dave Smith. <laughs> no. Yep. Okay. God. And then well, we had real. <laughs> we had scary nightmares. <laughs> Susie and I were having sex in the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not... Dang, I feel like a little bit boring now. The dirtiest place. No, I I had I had sex in a park at a park once. That was in high school. But yeah. I, I'm like just more interested, I guess, in the house. <laughs> you love house sex? Oh, you know what? What? I'm sorry. I did have sex somewhere fun. Where? One time, so when Michael was in the barracks, but those seemed gross and he had a like root little roommate, like a boy. Oh. Because yeah, they have a to until they're boy. until they're married, they have to have a roommate, um, or a certain rank. But whatever. So we laid on the beach under the moonlight and did it on the beach. Uh huh. There were people right above us, and we did not know because it was at night. So the train was passing. It was in oh it was gosh. in San Clemente, which was really fun. Um, but yes, we were doing it, and then we realized there were people sitting up on the rocks, pretty close, and we're like, this is exciting. So that was exciting, Wait but I'm more of a bedroom person. Now that you're saying this, I have literally had sex in the craziest places. 
But the airplane and the cemetery <laughs> are the top two. But then, like, remember I had cabana sex in the full moon and then went skinny dipping in Tulum? Oh, yeah. And, like, just crazy places. Fun place. Fun places. Like, on a cliff once in Hawaii. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was. Honestly, it was really fun. I did it at Lake Powell once in a cove. Oh, that was fun. Um, okay, this is our second question. Okay, is it boring? No. Oh. Trust me. My girlfriend said she hasn't needed sex as much as I do, so we have sex once a month. Do you have advice? Yes, I do. Hot tail it out of there. <laughs> I, I tail it out <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is just, I feel like this, we touched on this during the vulnerability initiating sex section. It's like, you have no choice other than to have a conversation with your partner at this point, because this seems like sort of a scenario where they're only meeting their needs. And not to mention, so let's talk about how it's maybe not selfish on her end. Maybe she actually really only wants to have sex once a month. This is an opportunity for you to decide how important sex is to you. Mm. Because honestly, people do have, do place different importance on sex. Just like people yes. place different importance on like how funny a partner needs to be yeah. or like how much money they make. Like sex for some people just comes it goes lower down the pole you yeah know what I mean like for me it's really high mm -hmm. up there and so I've I've had that experience before where it's like I've had a really high sex drive and my partner's just like yeah sex just isn't that important and looking back I'm like it could have never worked what, I'm going to be with this person for my whole life and they don't want to have sex as much as I do? There's just no way. There's no way. Like, I I would, I'd be, like, clawing at the walls. So it, you, you have an opportunity now to sit down with yourself, get right, and say, okay, how important is sex to me? Like, is everything else in my relationship fantastic and this one area is not? Or is your sex life an indicator of other areas of your relationship that you're overlooking because you're obsessed with the fact that you're not having a lot of sex? Yeah. So check yourself with that. That mm -hmm. would be my advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just all that needs to be said. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is the close of episode 10. Oh my gosh. Hi, five. Yep. Hey. Thank you so much, Wolfpack, for sticking along with us for 10 episodes already. This it's is so really fun. the highlight. This is the highlight of our weeks. And it's been so much fun being able to speak openly about everything we want and not being censored. I know. And so speaking of censored, we do have our Instagram account at the Den Mothers. So please go ahead and follow that to see when new episodes launch. Follow our Instagram, personal Instagram pages at SheWolfLauren and at Camille Misbach to yes. see our other endeavors. Please, I'm, I, I wasn't going to say that this time, but I think I'm going to say it now at the very end. But Subscribe, follow, and please rate or comment on any yes. of your podcast streaming networks, uh, YouTube. I know all our videos don't go on YouTube. This one isn't going to be up on YouTube, but some of them are. It really helps us out. It helps us out in how fast they publish our episodes, like, so many things when we're first starting out. So if you are a follower, we love you and we appreciate your feedback and comments and five-star ratings and everything you want to do to help promote us. So we love you. Thank you. And we will see you next week for episode 11. 11. Oh, we have to do something really fun. I love the number 11. Me too. And for the numbers 13 and 14. Okay. Okay. I love you. I love the Wolfpack. And goodbye. Ow, ow, ow.